welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be with you here today. We are finally moving into a new chapter in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We've spent here almost two years in Matthew chapter 5, and obviously I've gone pretty slow on this, but we begin this month in Matthew chapter 6, covering verses 1 through 4, and we're on episode 123, and I titled this one, How Should We Give? We're moving into an area that calls for us to live without hypocrisy. And this sermon of Jesus continues to expose our true hearts as we walk through it. And this passage today, it's going to continue to do so. We need to be reminded that when we see ourselves as we truly are, spiritually bankrupt before the Lord, we're brought to God's great grace, that there is nothing good in and of ourselves. But now being in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, that every characteristic that we've seen laid before us of what those inside the kingdom should look like, they will be evident in our lives. And I get it here. We're not going to be perfect, right? We're not going to get this perfect. We're going to fail, but we're going to be desiring to live lives of righteousness if we're in Christ. Over time, areas like anger and lust and retaliation are going to have less and less of a hold on us, and more and more of the characteristics of Christ are going to begin to dominate our lives. We're going to be those who are truly loving others with agape love. Martin Lloyd-Jones reminds us in talking about this whole sermon, he said, Here is the life to which we are called, and I maintain again that if only every Christian in the church today were living the Sermon on the Mount, the great revival for which we are praying and longing would already have started. He says amazing and astounding things would happen. The world would be shocked, and men and women would be drawn and attracted to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, this is so good to remember. And our next section here reminds us that as we are growing in Christ-likeness and showing agape love, we will be those who are practicing righteousness in our lives. But the concern in this next part of the text is that we are practicing our righteousness before others. So let me read our text today from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Again, I'm reading from the ESV. It starts... Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret." and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So our text today has us looking at who we are living for and who are we living to please. Is it God or is it man? And this first section, excuse me, of Matthew 6 is dealing with giving. And we're going to move on in the text over the next episodes as it deals with prayer and then fasting. And Jesus is calling us to do all of these 
with a pure heart and a single focus of pleasing God. So let me just read here Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 as we work through this verse. I'm going to kind of tear it apart here for us now. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So our verse here starts off with a warning. Beware. It's in the present imperative, so it's telling us to continually be on guard and watch out for this danger that we have as believers of practicing our righteous deeds out with the wrong motivation. So as those citizens of the kingdom, we are reminded again and again in Jesus' sermon here that God is seeking the heart. Our lives are to reflect holiness that's inward and outward, right? What is in us comes out of us. When we're in Christ, we're going to desire to do righteous deeds. We're reminded in James, right? Faith without works is dead. And in Matthew 6, 1 there, Jesus doesn't tell us not to practice righteous deeds. He doesn't just tell us not to do righteous deeds before men, but he goes further and he tells us not to do them, to be, quote, seen by them. That's important, right? This is coming back to our motives again. Sinclair Ferguson reminds us, he says, why we do something is significant as well as what we do. He also states on this passage, and really this is covering the ones to follow too, he says, Jesus also clears away another general misconception by what he says here. The principle he expounds in Matthew 6.1 is illustrated in three different ways. We have giving here in our text today, Matthew 6, verses 2 through 4. We have praying, which will be our next episode. That's Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 15. And fasting in chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. He indicates in what he says about each of these activities that sacrifice, self-discipline, and self-denial are called for in the Christian life. And he, referring to Sinclair Ferguson, is referring referring to Jesus here. He also says, Jesus, he assumes our lives will be well-regulated, properly structured, and that we will show an increasing mastery of our own desires. Jesus does not assume that these things will come naturally. Rather, he sees them as quite deliberate activities in the lives of his disciples. So, friend, many times as believers, We can abuse the freedom we have in Christ, and we can get lazy about being disciplined in our walk with the Lord because we know we're saved by grace, right? So we could get lazy, but reading and studying the Word and prayer and fasting and meditating on the Word and evangelizing and giving, these are all things Jesus assumes we are doing and practicing as His disciples. These are things the Lord uses in our lives to grow us spiritually. These are our disciplines of grace, right? God is at work in our lives, and he calls us to be disciplined for the sake of godliness. He calls us to be holy as he is holy. And this doesn't just happen without the effort on our part to know what his word says and to do it. If you need a little boost on the spiritual disciplines, I have a whole podcast series on them, and I'll link to it in the show notes. And if you're not spending regular time in the Word, I so encourage you to at least start there. Pick out a Bible reading plan and just start. I do have a free printable on daily time with the Lord over at the blog to get you started. I'll also link to some helps here on where to start um, where to start on these things in the blog on the main show notes too. So they'll be linked. They'll be linked below this post where the main show notes are wherever you're listening into this. So our lifestyle, as it states in verse one here, should not be one of practicing our righteous our righteousness 
before others. If we do this, they're not righteous acts anymore. They've now become self-righteous acts. The word seen there in verse 1 in the, the Greek, it means it's describing a calm, continuous contemplation of some object which remains before the spectator. And the word in the Greek, it's like theonami. It's, it's where we get our English word theatrical. So I can you kind of already catch where I'm going here. So as we look at that word seen in context of our verse here, it lays out the motivation behind our, quote, righteous deeds, that they are put on display for others to see. Again, we want to be so careful to not do the right thing for the wrong reason because sin is so deceptive and it slips in so easily, which is why this verse started with the warning of beware. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, ultimately our only reason for pleasing men around us is that we may please ourselves. Our real desire is not to please others as such. We want to please them because we know that if we do, they will think better of us. In other words, he says, we are pleasing ourselves and are merely concerned about our self-gratification. All right, friend, we don't want to be doing this. We want to catch ourselves and stop it in our tracks. That is sinful thinking and doing. Our verse continues in 6.1 and it states, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Jesus isn't condemning the deed, but he is condemning the motive behind the deed. So if we're doing it to get praise from men or to be thought well of or to get recognition or to feel better about ourselves, whatever the wrong motive is behind it, the only reward we get from it is the recognition of others in this earthly temporal life. But there will be no reward from up above from it. Charles Spurgeon noted, he said, you cannot expect to be paid twice. If therefore you take your reward in the applause of men who give you a high character for generosity, you cannot expect to have any reward from God. We ought to have a single eye to God's accepting what we give and to have little or no thought of what man may say concerning our charitable gifts. So we're all tempted to outward religion but it must be inward from the heart and pure and living to please an audience of one, right? Capital O there. It is a battle and it's one I so get because I'm battling this with you. This again was just, I say that every time I do this, but this was another good episode for me to put together because it's making me examine my own heart and motives. And I'm super grateful to the Lord for that. We need to seek the Lord's help here, and we need to make sure before we give or do or help or whatever the righteous deed may be, right? We need to seek the Lord first, ask him to help us to seek his glory as the only reason that he must be our all in all, our single focus in everything we do, and we can't do this on our own in our flesh. We so need the help of the Spirit at work in us. Lay your heart out before him. Lay out your sinful motives and thoughts and be fully transparent before the Lord. He already knows our heart and our motives, right? So we need to get honest with him. We need to humble ourselves before him. And when we do this, and God is our single-eyed focus and the supreme object of our affection and purpose and reason why we do what we do, when our lives are hid with Christ and God, we're going to receive the greatest reward of a soul that is living fully for God. 
And I want to share here, I'm not going to get into rewards in heaven in this episode, but I do want to share a brief excerpt on rewards in heaven. And I'm going to link here to a couple articles to read in the show notes if you want to dig a bit deeper deeper yourself on it. But this excerpt is from gotquestions.org. It's a super handy site. So they, they share there, they say, the rewards we gain in heaven are not like the rewards we earn here on earth. We tend to think in material terms, mansions, jewels, etc. But these things are only representations of the true rewards we will gain in heaven. A child who wins a spelling bee treasures the trophy he receives, not for the sake of the trophy itself, but for what the trophy means. And likewise, any rewards or honor we gain in heaven will be precious to us because they carry the weight and meaning of our relationship with God and because they remind us of what he did through us on earth. So they they continue, they say, in this way, rewards in heaven glorify God and provide us with joy and peace and wonder as we consider God's work in us and through us. The closer we were to God during this life, the more centered on him and aware of him, the more dependent on him, the more desperate for his mercy the more there will be to celebrate. So one point I want us to capture though here again and again that's stated in this text is that Jesus refers to God as our Father. And I'm studying through 1 Peter with a group of ladies and this has been so evident in that text too. When we grasp this relationship and rest securely in the care and love of our Heavenly Father, it's going to change why and what we do and the reasons we do it. We're not going to be looking for the approval of men, but only of God. And there is where we receive the greatest reward that isn't lost because it's done out of love for our Father in heaven and he has seen it and he will reward us. As we move into the text, our first warning we get from Jesus is dealing with our giving to the needy and it's Matthew 6, 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So I'm not sure what Jesus, if he was speaking here of a literal sounding trumpet here, and the commentators seem to differ on their thought that I read through. So the first thought that really came to my mind and really does every time I read that text is the term we hear so often, toot your own horn. Um, Another picture that was given here is when the trumpets sounded at the temple for the citizens to come and give their offerings, that the Pharisees would be the first to give and be seen. And Jesus calls this type of giver a hypocrite or an actor on a stage. They're doing it to be seen and noticed by others. And all this type of giver is ever going to receive is praise from men. And he continues on in verses 6, 3 through 4. He says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is one of those illustrations Jesus uses to make a strong point, like kind of the gouge out your eye and the cut off your hand. Um, Very simply here, if we look at this, just simply the text, we're not to let others know about our giving and in, in not letting our left hand know what our right hand is doing, right? We just aren't to make a big deal about it to ourselves either. Maybe we didn't tell anyone else, but maybe we're puffed up about our good deeds and giving and maybe we're thinking higher of ourselves than we ought to. Maybe we're comparing ourselves to others and we're just coming out ahead in our minds like, look at how much I'm doing and they're not doing that. Maybe we're keeping a list of all our good deeds. There is no spiritual ledgers, my friend, right? 
And how do we do this? Martin Lloyd-Jones gives us one answer on that. He says, and that is that we should have such a love for God that we have no time to think about ourselves. We shall never get rid of self by concentrating on self. The only hope is to be so consumed by love that we have no time to think about ourselves. In other words, he says, if we want to implement this teaching, we must look at Christ dying on Calvary's hill and think of his life and all he endured and suffered. And as we look at him, realize what he has done for us. Kent Hughes stated it very simply here. We need to, we need to do this as he said, follow God, do it, and forget it. <laughs> God keeps account. We don't need to. I want us to think rightly here too about rewards again. And Kent Hughes helped us. And and always these quotes that I'm sharing here, I'm going to put them in the show notes. So if you don't catch them or they're not clear or you want to meditate on them a little more, they'll be there for you to read. Um, And that's over at the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com. So he states, he says, regarding this matter of rewards, we are in error if we believe we must never seek rewards. Some think that serving with an eye to a reward is crass and mercenary, even when the reward comes from God. Why not give just to give? But such a view comes from a mistaken understanding. The rewards that God gives are not ribbons or medals, but actually something of himself. And he continues, he says, C.S. Lewis explained it perfectly. So this is, I'm going to move into C.S. Lewis's quote here. He says, We must not be troubled by unbelievers when they say that this promise of reward makes the Christian life a mercenary affair. There are different kinds of reward. There is the reward which has no natural connection with the things you do to earn it, and it's quite foreign to the desires that ought to accompany those things. Money is not the natural reward of love. That is why we call a man a mercenary if he marries a woman for the sake of her money. But marriage is the proper reward for a real lover, and he is not mercenary for desiring it. The proper rewards are not simply tacked onto the activity for which they are given, but are the activity itself and consummation. So men who do work so they'll be seen by men receive the applause of men. Those who do works for God's glory receive, and this is from Kent Hughes here, he said, those who do works for God's glory receive God's smile. The reward for the latter is overwhelming and always will be. And the reminder, there is nothing we do will be forgotten by our Lord. I think here I want to read to you Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, sorry, Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 to 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So our God is the ultimate bookkeeper, and our hope is to hear that final day from our God to those of us in Christ who have been born from above and are adopted by our Heavenly Father. That verse in Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Charles Spurgeon reminds us, he says, there is no reward from God to those who seek it from men. And Andrew Bonar said it this way, and it kind of sums up this whole text so well. He said, the best part of all Christian work is that part 
which only God sees. So I want to kind of close here with a story from our daily bread on this passage, and it kind of makes it a little more practical for us. Um, The story starts, it says, a Grand Rapids woman was excited to have a visit from an old college roommate who lived in another part of the country. As she listened to her friend's story, though, she was touched by the problems her guest faced as a single mom struggling to keep things together. The hostess decided to do something to help. She got on the phone to her friend's home church and told them of her concern. The people in that town, 2,000 miles away, immediately went to work. They cleaned the woman's house inside and out. They stocked the shelves and filled the refrigerator with prepared meals. When the woman got home, she was stunned by what had happened. And not knowing who had taken care of her and why, all she could do was give the glory to God. That's a great model of how our work for the Lord should be done. Not for us to receive honor and praise, but to let God receive the glory. In Matthew 6, Jesus gave guidelines for doing charitable deeds. They are to be done without fanfare, without calling attention to ourselves. It's not easy to turn away from the applause after doing something for others. Yet if we want to do God's work, His way, we will. Then we'll be sure who gets the credit. And there's a little quote at the end of it. It says, Let others have the honors, the glory, and the fame. I seek to follow Jesus and glory in His name. And the reminder there was there's no limit to the good we can do if we don't care who gets the credit. So my dear friend, I do pray that we will be those good and faithful servants who continue to keep our eyes on pleasing an audience of one. May all we do be done for his glory and his alone, because truly Jesus is enough always. I'm so grateful for you, my friend, and your time here with me today. The full show notes are at my little home on the web at thankfulhomemaker.com. And again, if you don't already subscribe to the blog, I'd so love you to. You get access to a free library of resources of various printables to help you in your homemaking and your time with the Lord. And it also includes my monthly newsletter that's filled with various encouraging articles and resources that I come across that I really love sharing with you. And I pray they are super encouraging to you. So I'll put the link to do that in the show notes to sign up if you'd like to. And again, I'm so, so thankful for you, my friend. And I do pray you have a very blessed week. 